how she does it. Each episode, we talk to strong, smart, intelligent working women. They tell us how they balance work, life and family. It's never easy and it's never the same, but all have stories about the challenge of being a modern woman. I'm Josella Waldron and this is How She Does It. What time do you get up in the morning? Six, seven, how about 3.30? While well, most of us are still snoozing in our beds, Jackie Beltrow has already started work, presenting the sport on Sky News Sunrise. The former Olympic gymnast has worked at Sky for 25 years. In that time, she's had three children. Things have changed a lot, but there was definitely a feeling of you should be grateful you've still got a job because you've got a child now, like it made any difference whatsoever. It, it didn't. More recently, Jackie has survived breast cancer. I've actually done so many things that I wouldn't have done if I hadn't had breast cancer because I just wouldn't have had the courage. And that includes posing in a bikini. More on that later, but first, here she is in action on Sky News. Jackie is here with all the sports and uh, looking back at an amazing night for Tottenham, Jackie. Yes, and amazing is exactly the word that Maurizio Pochettino used. He said amazing performance. Hello again. Action from last night's football to come from the Champions League. But there's been disappointment for the men's Great Britain curling team at the Winter Olympics. Now, what colour do you think a tennis ball is? I would absolutely say it's yellow. It's been confirmed in a poll. Most people, according to Twitter, 30,000 of them, think they are green. The official sanctioned colour is called optic yellow, first used in 1972 because it was meant to be better for television. But can you believe it? Um, one in 12 men are actually colourblind. So how can you believe that poll? Hello, Jackie. Hello, Gisela. We're in your car. I know, it's <laughs> carpool karaoke, I'm not going to sing. <laughs> right, we're at Sky. We're at outside Sky News. You've just been on... Sunrise. Yep. And it's a sunny day. And you've got the rest of the day. Yeah. Lovely. Well, you think that, wouldn't you? But <laughs> it doesn't really work like that because when you've been up since 3.30, by about 11.30, you are so ready for, to go back to bed, which is what quite a lot of people do. Ah. I used to do that. I find it much more difficult to nap in the afternoon now. Don't know why. Um, and I've got a tennis child, so I always generally have to go and pick him up from school early and take him to tennis. So that's the end of my nap. But, you know, you, you don't have the rest of the day because you're not really fit for anything. No. And what, do you, do you go to bed early? Yes. So I go to bed about 9.30. I've got teenage children, so that's kind of the earliest I could probably go to bed. And last night, they kept me up for another half an hour because they told me right at the end of the day that their shower's blocked. That's really good, really yeah. helpful. Yeah, they had the whole weekend to tell me the shower's blocked, but they told me when I said goodnight. Oh, God. And I was on my way to bed, and they weren't. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how you got here. How You've been at Sky how many years now? 25. 25 years. Yeah. And did you start as a reporter? How did you get here? So, I came to Sky and worked in um, the publicity department of Sky Sports before the whole revolution um, of football took place. And Sky had a few things, and they were sort of buying a few more properties, like the cricket. And then everything changed when they got the Premier League. Now, the reason I got into reporting was that after the first season of Premier League, um, they had quite a small team, really, doing football. All the reporters who worked in it would go on holiday for the summer. And in the summer, there was nobody left to cover any events. So if they had some sort of summer events like skating or fishing or whatever they had, there was no reporter to, to report on them. And because I used to be a gymnast and when I stopped gymnastics and became 
a commentator as just you know a way of keeping in touch with my sport. We need to mention that you were an Olympian. Yeah, so that's I, really important. Yeah, so I was I was an Olympic gymnast and went to the Olympics in nineteen eighty four. Los Angeles for great for Great Britain yeah so when I stopped that which was in the second year at university I you know I did quite a lot of commentary for Eurosport um, on my sport which is rhythmic gymnastics and at the time Eurosport was owned by Sky so they knew me they knew I could speak and they knew I could you know vaguely string a sentence together so when they were very stuck for people I'd help them out so I would work in in the in the week in the press office doing my press office media duties and at the weekend I'd go away and report on whatever they needed reporting on so I did that for about a year and when did they give you a a proper reporting job is it something to do with Frank Bruno uh (laughs) (laughs) um it might have been I know I was actually given a reporting job after a year of kind of working seven days a week pretty much um and it was a very junior one working on um one of the Saturday shows going to football matches and doing a 30 second here's what's just happened in in the football match um and most of it was out of vision um so a very 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 small reporting job i got my break at sky news because um i did a lot of boxing i got friendly with frank bruno and when he came back having fought mike tyson and he was coming back into heathrow airport and there was quite a big media scrum and i just got in the middle with my sky microphone and just sort of stuck it under his nose and he knew my name so he just said, yes, Miss Levy, I'll, I'll think about my future, Miss Levy, spend some time with my family, Miss Levy, thanks very much, Miss Levy. <laughs> and that, that was the interview, and then he got in a car and went off. Um, but I got something, and nobody else did. Everyone so else got Miss Levy Everyone on their else interview. got Miss Levy on their interview. <laughs> so, so Sky quite liked that, the fact that I just kind of got stuck in. So eventually you've had some children along the way. How did you manage to factor that in with this kind of work? Well, do you know what? Um, back in the day when I when I was having Amelia, which is my first child, and she's going to be 20 at Christmas, um, you definitely had the feeling round here, and I'm sure it was the same in any other company, that you had to carry on, you couldn't take a break, you um, had to keep your maternity leave to an absolute minimum if you wanted to hang on to the job that you were doing or you didn't want to be passed over or, you know, come back in a, in, a, in a worse role and at that point I just started presenting a little bit and I was reporting a lot and I didn't want to come back and, and people think of me in a different way so I, I actually just had had my children and came back after 12 weeks so I was back I was back after 12 weeks with each each of them and I've got three wow um if I had my time again obviously I, I would take more time and and people Women are going off on maternity leave now because it's their right to do that. Uh-huh. And yet I had the feeling that I was, I don't know, I felt like I had to be beholden to the company. I, I didn't want them to think of me in any worse way than the guys who, you know, also had children at the mm-hmm. same time. And there was definitely a feeling of you have to be better to be considered the same. Um, so I probably did that to myself. I don't, I don't, maybe I imagined it. I don't know. I don't think I did. Um, but things it was almost have like a, a lot, though. things have changed a lot. But there was definitely a feeling of you should be grateful you've still got a job because you've got a child now. Like it made any difference whatsoever. It, it didn't. How did you manage with the baby? What did, what sort of childcare arrangements? Um, I actually was very lucky with Amelia because um, I thought I'm going to get a childminder, and I registered with the council, and they said, "Oh, you're really lucky. Jean's got a space." 
I didn't know who Jean was. So I went to see her and she was this old lady who'd done childminding forever and she knew how to train children. So the first thing she did when I arrived, I was getting my first day back at work and I arrived with my nappy bag and Amelia and five bottles full of formula. And she went, right, well, three of those can go for a start. She's far too fat. <laughs> <laughs> There's no need for quite oh so much goodness. milk. So I was like, okay. I just did whatever she said, really. And her, her motto was fresh air and exercise. My goodness. And you've so, got two boys as well. Yeah. And but they didn't get they? to go to Jean. Where did they go? No, they didn't get to go to Jean. They had to, they, well, I, I ended up doing a nanny share. Yeah. So I found yeah. a lady down the road. Um, by the time there were so many of them. Um, yeah, we had a nanny who, who came to the house every day, Adriana. She was Spanish. Yeah, so for a while they were talking quite a lot of Spanish. Every time they wanted milk, they'd go, leche, por favor. <laughs> <laughs> and did, so how did you manage when they went to school and all that sort of yeah. stuff? Did you bake cakes? Did you do all that stuff? Or did you think, actually, no? <laughs> no, I'm quite competitive, so I definitely baked the cakes. I never, ever, <laughs> ever bought the cakes. I never bought the cakes. I bought the cakes. I never did the buying of the cakes and then sprinkling on icing icing sugar. Put pretending. The no, no, I always bake the cakes. So we're, we're quite famous for our cakes in our house. We're quite big bakers. I think I've seen a picture of a lemon drizzle. Yeah, there's lemon drizzles. There was all. There were always fairy cakes or whatever muffins, whatever. No, they were always baked. I would oh just, I would just find time. I don't know how I did, but I would just. You're obviously a natural baker. Fine. I would just find the time. No, it wasn't that. It was just the fact that I'm very competitive, and I didn't <laughs> want someone else who, you know, was turning out who was a you know stay-at-home mum having these amazing cakes, and just because. I was a bit rubbish and disorganised and worked. I didn't want them to be thinking, oh, hers are a bit pathetic. Well, did you let anything else go? Like, Oh, loads of things went. What, loads, what did you used to loads. do that you stopped doing when you had the kids? It wasn't a case of stop doing. It's just that I just realised that I was juggling a lot of balls and I couldn't possibly keep them all in the air at the same time. So my kids would go to school and I'd realise I hadn't bought them a new bit of uniform because they'd grown out of the last one or... You know, they had a hole in their shoe because I hadn't had time to go and shopping for the shoes, or I didn't even notice that they had a hole in the shoe until they went, "Mom, water's coming in." And I would go, <laughs> "Oh no, your shoes are wrecked! How did I not notice that? I just, I just didn't notice. I never ironed anything. I don't do anything. I never ironed anything. So they always went to school with clean clothes, but crumpled as hell because I just didn't have the time. I just okay. did not have the time to, to iron. Non-iron shirts. Non-iron shirts, skirts. They still don't have anything ironed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, lots of things. Oh, slips. They'd come home from school with slips and I was meant to assign them and I'd lose them. Mm. And that would go. Or they went to go in with £10 for a school trip and I'd forget. And they'd, Easily And done. they'd go in and they'd go, oh, I need to give £10 and I'm late now. But I'm really sorry. So just really stupid things like that, which I still do. I still, you know, I still feel like I don't do it as well as my sister does, for example, who's, you know, stayed at home the entire time. Now they're older. Yeah. And you've, what, how has it changed? Because it, they have different needs and different demands, but also yeah. you've got, you're, you're a tennis mum. Yes. Um, well, I've, I've actually found out that they kind of need you more, that they're older, um, I think there was a period of when they're babies, they're, you know, they are physically needy. Yeah. And then they get more independent when they go to school and you have this, you know, free time, although I didn't because I was at work. Um, and then when I started working earlies, I, you know, I had free time in the afternoon, but I was so knackered. I yeah. almost wished I'd, you know, didn't have the free time in the afternoon. Um, and then it get, they get a bit older and they are, you know, independent. They can go on the bus on their own. They can get to school by themselves. 
you know they can find a bit of uniform if I've forgotten to do a wash and they have to pull it out of the wash basket or whatever they can do all of that but you know they can't drive so I'm actually such a taxi at the moment because my son is a tennis player he plays every single day he's got to be taken from school to the academy there's not much time between him finishing school and him starting his his squads so I am literally always hanging outside the school gates waiting for him and to zoom him off in his car and shoving food whatever food I can get down his his neck in the car before he goes on court otherwise he would just you know he'd fall over he'd just so much sport and some some of these aren't local are they tell me about Finland yeah no (laughs) he he does a lot of tournaments at weekends which generally his dad takes him to because I don't like the competition I don't I don't like how it makes me feel because Judy Murray always says watching her, her son's plays a cross between having a heart attack and vomiting oh. and it is and it is like that you just feel everything every shot they play you kind of playing it with them and I don't like that tension so my husband goes because he's a bit more relaxed than do you me. shout yeah I, I you're not allowed to shout but I did used to shout pull yourself together quite a lot <laughs> um when he was you know did you get losing at? the plot Oh yeah, you get reported. You get oh. told off by the referee. You're not allowed to do that. Um, so I, I'm very much the driving to training person. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I have to take him, I do take him. And so we've been in Nottingham recently at nationals. So I have to take some time off work because it's in the week. Yeah. And you know, conveniently, these competitions, which are in school time coincide with public school holidays. So the private school holidays. So if you go okay. to a state school. You're uh-huh. a bit scuppered, really, yeah. because you're going to have. He's going to have to take time off school, and I'm going to have to take time off work. So we were in Nottingham at nationals, and that was, you know, good fun staying over in a hotel. But the others then have to fend for themselves. So my middle child, he's, you know, he's at home, raiding the fridge. Um, and then we went to Finland for an, for an international, which went really badly, um, really badly. And, and no parenting manual trains you to be able to speak to a child who's doing sport and the sport doesn't go well. I mean, it's just awful. And it didn't go well. He got very nervous and lost his first match. So we'd gone all the way to Finland for him to play really badly and lose his first match. And then we had to find tickets and, and fly home earlier than, than expected. Oh. But on the upside, because we flew home earlier than expected, I got to go to Ireland myself and do a Conor McGregor interview, which I really wanted to do, yeah. and didn't think I could do. Fantastic. So oh, and you're building resilience. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you build in resi- it's all about resilience. You now. build in resilience. But your bank balance doesn't build in any resilience. Oh. Because yeah. we're flying around all over the place and travelling all over the place. But that's that's the name of the game. And that's why, you know, it's very hard to be a tennis player because it's so blooming expensive. Are you any good at tennis? I'm rubbish. I've never had a lesson in my life. Are you tempted? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I fed, I fed a lot of balls when he was younger um, just for practice. Yeah. Um, but he, he's too good now. He, he would just fire them at me and hurt me. So no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, now, we haven't mentioned breast cancer, which you've had. Yeah. Tell me about that. Tell me me how that began and a little bit about your treatment and where you are now. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was just something I never, ever thought would happen to me, but then no one does, do they? Um, You know, I was pretty fit, go to the gym every day, work out, um, always looked after myself, always looked after my weight, um, but had this crazy lifestyle where I was going to bed at half past nine and then, you know, sometimes lying awake all night because I couldn't go to sleep, getting up at half three, so clearly not getting enough sleep, mm-hmm. and doing this for a long time. I mean, I've worked on the, on the breakfast show for 16 years 
at Sky, which is a long time to be doing to be doing earlys. You're um, a morning person naturally. Well, I am. I am now. I am a morning person now. You can change then, because yeah. I'm not. Yeah, you can. You can change. <laughs> so, um, I think probably my body was under quite a lot of stress, mm-hmm. more that more so than if I'd had more sleep. Um, but anyway, I was in good shape. Went to bed early one night, as per usual. Did a bit of a yoga stretch, and then just sort of poked my boob a bit. Um, I think because Liz Hurley had come into Sky a few weeks before and was urging people to check. I uh-huh. never did check. I never checked. But I just sort of did like a small like check. Um, and then I, I sort of put my finger straight onto a tiny little lump. It was quite hard. And I was like, mm, I don't think that was there yesterday. Or if it was, I didn't notice. So I thought, right, I'll get it checked out tomorrow. And you know how hard it is to get a doctor's appointment at short notice. But I did manage after... I remember being at work thinking I have to go to the doctor straight from work um, and I think I phoned them 96 times oh my goodness on, on a recall on an iPhone 96 times oh. and I finally got through and they gave me an emergency appointment and I went straight from work to the doctor I already made my um, appointment to see the surgeon that evening and I said to the doctor I just need you to refer me I know who I'm going to go and see I just need you to write the letter and she said oh you're not wasting any time and I said I really am not so I went to see a Mr Sharma at Parkside he said it's probably nothing I'll stick a needle in it I'll, I'll know in, in 24 hours if it's if there's anything wrong with it mm-hmm. I don't think there is but you know anyway 24 hours later was Christmas Eve so I went back and we were, I was at my friend's house having drinks with all the families and um, my friend is a, is a breast cancer nurse so we decided that she would come with me rather than my husband come with me because we thought if we both go off to the hospital on Christmas Eve and leave a party mm. the kids would find that very suspicious so I just went off with Joanna and said I'm just going to get some blood test results we'll be back in a minute and we went off and waited and we were the last people that he saw of the day and he said yeah I'm sorry it is breast cancer on Christmas Eve uh, but I fi- I kind of figured that it was because why would you call somebody into the hospital on Christmas Eve unless you had something to yeah. tell them Yeah. but you couldn't just ring them up and tell them over the phone so that was really shocking and you know went back didn't ch- tell the kids told Eduardo my friend was really good she, she was quite reassuring she said look it's very early it's very small I'm sure it's going to be fine but they couldn't give you any details so then you have to wait for the biopsy results and that was the whole of Christmas, really. And because, you know, the labs were closed, mm-hmm. there was more of a wait than there would be normally. So I had to wait a long time. Well, I thought it was a long time. It was probably about five days, but it felt like a long time. All over Christmas. Christmas was a bit ruined. Well, it was completely ruined because we were so terrified. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, you don't, you, know, you don't know much about breast cancer until you've had it. No. And then suddenly you become an expert. Um, but you just think, oh, well, people still die from this, so I could die. And that's all you think. Um, but I went back after Christmas uh, and before New Year. And he said, look, you know, it's a grade two, very treatable. You probably won't have to have chemo. Um, and we'll just do the surgery and I can do it next week. So wow. it was all dealt with very quickly. But the kind of spanner in the works really was my hospital had access to a new test which was in, done in California and she said look you know you've got a grade 2 so that's fine she said but you know there's no harm in checking how clever your cancer is or how likely it is to come back even though it probably won't we'll send it off to California and have a little test so she did and it, it came back 
mediumly lightly or mm-hmm. medium a medium chance of returning or it has the cleverness to return oh. it's not a simple one it, it is quite a clever one even though it looks like it's quite simple she said so you know if i were you i'd do the chemo just to be sure so that was more devastating than being yeah. told i have breast cancer really yeah because chemo has this big label but you know at the end of the day it's just medicine it's just very nasty medicine mm. it's poison they're trying to kill you without actually killing you um so that yeah that was that was the worst part of it because i you know you can't just have the surgery wait for it to be healed and move mm-hmm. on you then got to basically stop your life for 6 months while you do the chemo which is what i did i just um I had a little gap year how long were you up for just 6 months wow but um and actually probably it was only 5 months really but i just stopped and just did the chemo walked the dogs looked yeah. after the kids you know Stayed at home. Smiling. Did smining. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, I did actually. I did actually do some mining because I, I iron pillowcases, which I find quite therapeutic. Uh, did some mining and yeah, just had like a little break away from work, which was um, in in a strange way quite nice. <laughs> Even though hot parts yeah. of it were horrible, I mean, in a strange way, it's quite nice. And um, yeah, came back to work in time for Wimbledon, which I love covering. Yeah. The sky, I've I've covered it for like thirteen years, and and that was just fun and people were so pleased to see me back and you know some people were so I mean so fantastic to me like Andy Murray was so friendly his mum reached out said anything I can do and you know we weren't even really friends before but we're you know we're great friends now and um people were just so supportive and nice and that was that was great actually the fact that you know people liked me <laughs> I didn't know I know who your friends are <laughs> and, I, and you know who you, and you definitely know who your friends are um, and I just have a checkup every year you know just, just after Christmas I go for a checkup, um, scans and all the rest of it and um, and fingers crossed it will just, I'll just carry on being okay um, and I don't think about it nearly as much anymore that's amazing yeah. and I do lots of work actually I was going to ask about that yeah I do lots of charity work I, any breast cancer charity pretty much that asks me I will I will help them mm. out if I can, and um, I've done lots of hosting. Of, I've, I've actually done so many things that I wouldn't have done if I hadn't had breast cancer because I just wouldn't have had the courage. Wow, but, has so it, it just changed g- you in that way? Yeah, it does give you. Yeah, yeah, it gives you lots of courage. You because you always think, well, what's the worst that can happen? It's never going to be as bad as yeah. breast cancer or chemo. What's the worst that can happen? I can fall on my face, or the pictures they've asked me to do will not, not look very good, or you know. Yeah, and you've n- posed in a bikini. Yeah, you, you would have done that before. No, no, I would have been too worried about pe- what people would have thought. But then I just think, if I can do this, and you know, people look at it, or women look at it and think, well, I've got this, and I'm going to have to have surgery, and look how good she looks. If that gives them hope, yeah, then good. You know, that yeah. that's a good thing. Is there a particular charity that you do more for? I do quite a lot for Future Dreams, which is quite um, quite a small charity um, in London, and they're trying to build a um, well, not build. They want to acquire a building and set up a breast cancer centre, mm-hmm. but it will be very holistic. So it will be treatments for people who've got breast cancer that aren't medical. So it will be, you know, it might be acupuncture, it might be uh, massage. It might be massage to get rid of the effects of the chemo. It might be nutrition. It might be counselling. All the things that the Haven offers. Mm-hmm. But the Haven in London is closing down, so they want to make a new Haven um, where people can go where they're not being you know, stuck with a needle or you know being talked to by doctors, just yeah. somewhere nice. Um, so I do a lot of work for them, and they've actually raised millions um, 
you know, hosted boxing for them, posed in the swimsuits for them. Oh, okay. Um, hosted their lunches. Um, yeah, so I did quite a lot for them. But breast cancer now, I started to do a lot of work for. It's quite recent. Um, and they're great because they all their money goes to research. It just mm-hmm. goes straight to research. And breast cancer care is another one. I'm, I'm an ambassador for breast cancer care. And theirs, is, you know, they offer a lot of support services. Yeah. Um, you know, their, their, their strap line is no one should go through cancer alone. So... I do a lot of work for them. So, yeah, in October, I'm usually kept quite busy. Okay, what's next for you? And I can see you've been very busy with the boxers lately, and I want to talk oh. about Anthony Joshua, because he's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed to say that, are you? Well, I've just said it. Yeah. And the thing is, I was suddenly, my husband's like, why are you so interested in boxing? I'm like, oh, yeah, so it's, just, it's good, it's good sport, it's very yeah. interesting. But he has so much about him, doesn't he? Yeah. He's so different yeah for a he's, boxer. he's very he's very different and he's definitely a new a new generation boxer in that he's very respectful of his opponents and oh. he is not into trash talking i hate that at all and he just would rather you know do it nicely yeah i mean very polite build-up to a lot of his fights especially the klitschko fight where he he, he looked up he looked up to klitschko in lovely. his entire life and so he wasn't going to stand there and slag him off just to sell tickets. I mean, that, that no. fight sold its own tickets. I so, And he just thought, we both like each other. You know, I think he's amazing. And that's going to come across in the way, you know, I talk about this fight. And I think everyone really warmed to him because he's just sweet, you know. He's boy, ne- he's boy next door. Yeah. But built like a man mountain. And, you know, he's an amazing, amazing physical specimen because he works all the time. He's not your, he's not your average boxer... Who, who doesn't have a burger break no he doesn't have a burger break or a drink break or anything like that he trains all the time and when he goes into camp it's just a bit more mm-hmm. and a bit more intense but he's in you know he's in great shape all the time he, he treats it very professionally all the time so there's no yo-yoing of weight or which you can you know see with heavyweights sometimes and increasing women's um, interest in boxing all round but he just is you know he's very sweet you know he's very nice to the fans he just you know he said to me I grew up on a council estate there were always hundreds of people around so when I have hundreds of people around me I'm happy oh. I'm comfortable so when fans want selfies and things fine oh, it's, it's absolutely fine he looks after his mum people like that women yeah, like that yeah. don't they he's very yeah he very much looks after his mum and has recently bought a house, which has taken a long time to buy a house because oh, he was wow. living in his mum's council flat. Yeah. Yeah. But and he's finally finally bought the house. But I think it was actually just for his mum. Who's been your most memorable interview, would you say? Um, or your favourite? Or Well, I think um, I think interviewing Murray straight after he won Wimbledon. Wow. It was quite short because yeah. you only get a little bit of time, but um, to be there in a quite historic moment. Mm. I love tennis. Yeah. And to be there when, you know, a British guy wins it for the first time in 70-odd years was special. Brilliant. I would say. What's coming up? What have you got planned for 2018? <sighs> I don't plan that far ahead. I'd like to do some more interviews, and it was great to get back in the boxing scene, so... Yeah, I mean, I've got GCSEs on the horizon because I feel like they're mine. <laughs> then, 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 then my, for the second year running, I've got GCSEs. Oh, so you've so, the year off. Oh my uh, goodness! Yeah, so um, 
so yeah everything goes around everything goes around that yeah and the kids really yeah it comes always comes back yeah. to the kids it always comes back to the kids well they're the most important thing you can see jackie most mornings on sky news sunrise and check out futuredreams.org.uk to find out more about the charity close to her heart thanks for listening to how she does it i hope you liked it if you did please subscribe and you'll never miss an episode oh.